This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Everybody, Carm Capriato, Aftermarket Weekly. Golly, I got Lauren Fix back with me again. Isn't that cool? Boy, Lauren, thank you for being here. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? Always thrilled to chat with you, fellow car enthusiast. We live with cars. And the beauty of it is Lauren lives in, uh, not my hometown, but in our area here in Western New York. So, hey, thanks for being here. Aftermarket Weekly, Remarkable Results Radio, the premier podcast for personal and business development designed for everyone in the automotive independent aftermarket repair industry. Look, Lauren and I've got a ton of things. If you don't get her newsletter, carcoach.com. Carcoach Reports. Carcoach Reports. I get it. And it's fascinating. It is not super long, but it is very in-depth, very powerful. I love the think that you have. It's very much aligned with what I do. And I basically said, hey, not been out in a while. Let's get together. I picked four of her newsletter, great topics, and we're just going to shoot the breeze about it. And thank you so much to our great friends at Dorman Training as we hang out here in the uh, Carm Cave. Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets. If one does not update, they will evaporate. Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century with DormanTrainingCenter.com. We also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormanTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations, as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. Hey, thank you so much, Dorman. I'm going to be at a Dorman event September 23rd. That's a Saturday at ATC in Warminster, Pennsylvania. I'm going to do the keynote that day. Can't wait. So if you want to get there, DormanTrainingLive.com. Lauren, okay, some great topics. One of them that I want to jump in on is e-fuel. And I find this whole thing fascinating. It's almost like, where's it been? You think about cars that are out there, people think about everything that's on the street, but there's a lot of collector cars out there. And one of the main things that most know is Porsche. You know, they go, oh, you know, I, I have loved to have one. 
But the brand itself is actually owned under the Volkswagen Group. And there's a lot of money there because they also own Lamborghini, Bentley, well, as many other like smaller, regular, everyday driver brands. And the CEO of the company said, you know what, we can't convert all these 911s, which is what Porsche is known for, to electric. It's just not going to work. People won't do it. It takes away their value. This is a part of our history. So they decided to invest billions of dollars into a fuel that is synthetic. Now, to give you an idea, if you know what synthetic oil is, everybody does, especially in our industry, think about that as synthetic gasoline. Why have they not done it before? I don't know. But I do know that the investment is much larger than the average person's aware. They've invested billions of dollars. They've actually, they're actually testing it as we speak. If you go to the Atlanta facility or go out to Palm Springs, there's a track out there and they're testing that fuel there. They're testing a fuel in Atlanta. So if you go to the property in Atlanta and you want to test drive one of the Porsches, you will be driving on e-fuel, pure e-fuel. One of the fantastic things about it is it comes from hydrogen and water, which we have a lot of. And that is a really good thing. In addition to that, the process is what takes time. That's what they're working on right now. It does not require zero, zero changes to any existing car. Emission systems, fuel pumps, fuel tanks, fuel lines, nothing, no changes. You pump it in your tank as it exists. There was just a huge article in Car Driver from uh, one of my fellow world car jurors, Tim Stevens, who did a really great, super deep dive and went to Chile, where one of the factories is, and pumped it into a Porsche Cayenne there, drove all over Chile to find out that there was no change at all. No change in performance, no change in pickup, nothing. So yeah, this is the answer. You know, it reminds me of, it reminds me of the chip, the microchip that was invented, God, eons ago now and how expensive they were. Desktop computers cost thousands and they didn't do much. Today, we may spend a grand on something that could launch a rocket to the moon. And I look at the whole electrolysis thing, what it takes and all the energy, you know, the people on the green side are saying this is not economically feasible. It's going to cost more to do this than to make electricity. I'm a believer that uh, capitalism will find a way. Nature will find a way. But think about this, Aramco. Now, if you're a Formula One fan, you like Formula One racing, you've heard of Aramco. They're out of the Middle East. They're investing in it. They've invested billions. And let me tell you, if the Middle East and OPEC is investing in it, they know that at some point they're going to be able to make it less expensive. Royal Dutch Oil is also doing that. Exxon, as well as Chevron, are all investing in this. And today, as we speak, there's a plant in Chile, one in Australia, one in Germany, and one here in the U.S. in Texas, and they are testing it. One of the first transitions you'll see is replacing ethanol. I know the farmers in Iowa will be happy about that because they get all the government subsidies, but they're going to replace ethanol with this. It's a one-to-one. So if you say, oh, it's 10% ethanol, and we all know what ethanol does to engines, people that are mechanics do not like it, and I'm with you, but this doesn't. This doesn't change anything. It allows you to drive it. You can run it pure synthetic fuel, but I think it's going to be a transition of a blend at first because of the cost. Right now, we're about $11 a gallon, but there's only four plants in the entire planet. And with all this mine coming into it, electricity does not work for most countries. The upper half of the country, we've discussed this before, you have to work on them. And as a mechanic, nobody likes to work on them. There's a lot of special training, special parts. It costs more, just like hybrids, same thing, costs more to propulsions, twice the price. And I'm an ASC certified technician as well. So I understand that there's a lot of hurdles that need to be cleared. But if we put synthetic fuel into your tank, 
the person with his 1994 Toyota Camry will be able to keep that Camry and drive it. Eventually, the fuel will be less expensive, but they won't be using fossil fuels. And that will be the green option. I think there's a lot of potential here. It may not be today, but I know we'll be talking about this down the road. Your point on the classic cars that exist today, again, I think there will be a black market on gasoline if it ever happens, right? I'll be part of that. Yes. Yeah, I bet you will. I bet you will. Yeah, the Mustang lady. But, you know, the OEs, is GM, Ford and Chrysler, Stellantis, are they getting involved in this? They are all very excited about the prospect of synthetic because if you talk to Jim Farley, who just recently did a, uh, he took a Ford Lightning F-150 truck on a drive and he realized that the infrastructure is not there. The product that's being produced by the manufacturers is great. It's very cool. It's very high tech, but the infrastructure is not there. And then we have this, the charging speed is too slow. He stopped at a fast charger, 40 minutes, got 40%. That's the same as you going to a gas station, staying there for 40 minutes and only filling up half a tank and then leaving. Why would you do that? You know what I mean? You wouldn't. So people are impatient. And a perfect example of that is social media. They've made the world even less impatient. I think even the microwave did that to us. Our generation, it just, we want quick responses. Can you give it to me in a nutshell? Cut to the chase kind of thing. So making people sit around for hours to do nothing has not worked out to the advantage electric vehicles. It doesn't make a difference what the price is. I think some people will buy it, but I think there should always be an option. You want electric vehicles? You should be able to buy one. No one should stop you, whether it be electric, hybrid, diesel, gas, combination thereof. That should be your choice. Capitalism is about letting the free market reign. It's, in other words, let people buy what they want, and they will. And that is one of the things that the government doesn't understand. That is true. Hey, did you do do a car coach report on your YouTube channel on the 150 Lightning? Did you drive it? I did. I've driven it three times, I believe, three or four times. The first time, this was not good. They told us, I'm a part of the North American Car Truck of the Year jury. So we decide the best car truck and SUV of the year. I'm also part of the World Car Jury, which does the same. They have more categories. So we all got there to this event. It was special for NACTOY. That's what they call it. It's our acronym for the, the jurors. And oh, yeah, it's got all this towing capacity and da, da 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 So, of course, they filled up trucks with wine barrels and hay bales and towing, you know, trailers and everything. But this is one thing they didn't tell us, the distance and range of charging. So we all wrote wonderful, glowing articles about this. It was a very cool truck. All trim levels, really, really cool truck, price point, blah, 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 blah. But then we found out, because some of the jurors actually buy the vehicles, and like I buy certain vehicles as well, then they realized this is a problem because 80 miles of range is not going to work. What are you going to do with that? If you're a, a landscaper, you're a plumber, you're a, an HVAC person, yeah, 80 miles, you're not working much. It's going to take you more time to charge than it is to work. So this does not work. And so I think that's a big factor. But if you're looking for a pickup truck, maybe just going to the grocery store or going Costco or maybe landscaping for your own home, that's totally fine. You'll be totally fine. All right. So when you're towing the work equipment or a heavy load, you're not going far. All right. Let's go on to another topic. Electric vehicle mandates may be blocked. And you know what? I'm kind of not surprised. I know there's a lot of initiatives going on. Yeah. Congress has a lot of people. Obviously, it changes every two years. But the current people that are in have said, you know, this doesn't work. Maybe California, who runs the roost for 33 other states to say, hey, which is not against the Constitution, actually. One state should never be able to mandate what another state does. That's what the Constitution says. However, California has this California Air Research Board, and they were mandating electric vehicles by 2035. People that live in California, and I was just there, I've been there like 
three times last month alone, I always look to see what cars are on the road. Most of them are gasoline powered. Very few are electric. And the true numbers are only 18% of the vehicles on the road in California, 18% are electric. While the state's gonna try and mandate that every new vehicle be electric. Well, Congress has said, no, 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 no. I have people who live in Iowa and Oklahoma and Texas and fill in the blank. The other 49 states are saying this doesn't work for us. Now, I know Kathy Hochul in New York State, where you and I are, is going to follow suit with whatever California says. But many of the other states, it doesn't work. And so their congressmen, the people that their state elected, have said, we're going to put a stop to this mandate. It's currently a bill on the House floor. I'm monitoring it, as well as many other bills that are going to affect you on a regular basis. I've actually heard a lot of a lot of interesting support for it because although the government can offer you $7,500 to buy it, initially a bribe in my book, many companies have realized it doesn't apply to them. Cars to be built in the U.S. and has to have the battery in the U.S. So that applies to 18 vehicles that can pass it through on a lease. The rest of them aren't getting anything. So every brand is pushing with their lobbyists in D.C. to try and get some sort of something they can pass on to consumers. Some are getting nothing. Some are getting $3,750. And people are getting mad because they're like, wait a minute. So you're taking my tax dollars and you're giving it to someone who's going to buy an on average, not the, not the lowest price, on average, a $66,000 car. I'm not getting any of that. You're not getting any of that. And people are getting mad. Now, yes, the lowest price electric vehicle is going to come in around $35,000. It could be a Tesla. It could be like a Kona EV or something like that. But it doesn't work for everyone. And so why are we all paying for that? And just to give you an idea, because people go, oh, it's the right thing to do. Cell phone towers, when they came out, Verizon put up towers, AT&T put up towers, T-Mobile did, and then they made an agreement to work together, much like gas stations. It wasn't paid for by the federal government. So why is your tax dollars, anytime there's something given away, it's your tax dollars that you pay on everything, whether it be land or the bottle of water you buy, all of that is your tax dollars. And it's being given away to people who can afford the $66,000 car. Yeah, in one of your articles called Here's the Best News This Year, Used Car Prices Are Down, you say average new car prices are 48808 I just find that to be huge with living paycheck to paycheck, with the additional costs that we're having to bear because of these crazy times that we're in. I can't believe the government would be telling us what to do and that the OEs would sit back and say, ooh, gravy train, gravy train. I've got an answer for that. I spend a lot of time with a lot of executives. I've sat with the CEOs of every company. I won't mention any specific brands, but pretty much every company. And I ask, you know, you just sit there, have a glass of wine, just having dinner. It's a great time to get real answers. You know what I mean? So, and I typically get placed next to a CEO. So I've, I've talked to many of them and I've said, you know, I, I feel bad for you guys because if you don't comply with the federal government, they're going to fine you billions of dollars. Yes, billions. If you don't comply and make electric vehicles, which they take a loss on every single vehicle, not even Tesla makes a profit. Every single manufacturer takes a loss on these products. So they're not going to make unlimited supply. They're going to make a very small supply to comply. The minimal that they can get away with to comply. Unfortunately, they, if you have millions of dollars of losses or billions of dollars in fine, it's a business decision and they're responsible to their shareholders. And the shareholders are mad that the companies aren't making money. And the domestics... I would say are probably doing the worst of the three, which is sad. So for Jim Farley, who's the president, is being pushed by Bill Ford, who is a huge greenie. He's all about electric. That's what he's always wanted. Jim Farley's doing his job. He has to do his job or he won't have a job. Stellantis is now owned by a company out of France. It was FCA. So 
They're pushing along with the Green Initiative because they signed the Paris Climate Agreement. They're going to go all EV by the end of the year. And personally, I purchased a Dodge Demon, the 107 or the 170, the one that's going to have a thousand horsepower. And I'm hoping to get it because if they, the UAW comes in and they strike, they're going to be in big trouble because they're already in a financial negative position. And General Motors, Mary Barr has said, all in, all EV. I've seen a lot of their products. It's beautiful. The new Cadillac's spectacular. I even like the Bolt if that's if you want something that's reasonably priced. But when you look at Toyota, Honda, Kia, Hyundai, I've talked to some insiders who have told me that every single chassis that they make has the ability to be electric, hybrid, or gas because they're preparing for a potential, well, who knows who the next president is? I don't have a crystal ball. So the next president, whoever that person is, comes into office and they go, eh, electric vehicles, we're not doing this. What do you think all the car brands are going to do? They're going to shift quickly, quickly. They're going to say, yep, we're not making them anymore. Whatever's on the lot, on the lot whatever's in production is in production. And then every vehicle will go back. The problem is they've spent a ton of money in these cool vehicles. So Many of the design, I'll just throw a car. I really think the Hyundai Ionic 5 is a cool vehicle. It's won a ton of awards, both for World Car and North American Car and Truck of the Year. So that vehicle is not the same. It's, some of them aren't skateboards, but they can easily put that body on another chassis. That would be very smart. So then you still get the cool design. And all you're doing is changing the propulsion. Yes, it's going to change the inside. But I mean, they can do front-wheel drive and still not be too much of an impact to the undercarriage of the car. Because right now we have flat bottoms, right? We can flat back seats. There's no hump that we've all experienced from the drive shaft. So there'll be some changes. I think you'll see a lot of hybrids is what you're going to see. So that's going to be very interesting to watch a transition. But there is no way you can mandate someone to buy something, especially if a car manufacturer is taking a loss. You can only do that so long. I don't care what business you're in. If you and I, Carm, owned a coffee shop, we took a loss in every cup of coffee, we won't be in business long. Okay, taking a loss, I keep going back to e-fuels. Maybe it's 11 bucks a gallon. Why wouldn't somebody subsidize that, take a loss in order to get it out in the general public to get some pull through? I'm with you. Oh, because there's no money in it. Because the government's pushing what makes money for them and the people that support them to get back into office. There's a lot of politics in here, whether you like it or not. It's everywhere. So they want windmills, they want solar panels, they want electric cars. So they're going to subsidize that. So if they were to subsidize nuclear power, we'd be making nuclear power plants. If they were to subsidize e-fuels, there'd be so much e-fuel at a reasonable price, it'd be done like that. Again, depends who's in office. But I will tell you this, China's no fool. They're putting up 17 nuclear power plants a year. Coal plants are going up daily because their demand on electricity for the quantity of people they have, they got to come up with something. And electric cars aren't their answer either, and they know it, but they're going to force us to do it. And they own all the money. We're rigs being mined. So we're really in a bad position. All right, let's go back to the thought of being able to put an ICE engine in a platform built as an EV. I had heard a while back, boy, I never wrote it down. And you can maybe help confirm this, that Mercedes was going to put build every car of theirs that could be, if somebody wanted to come in and you wanted to buy this particular class vehicle, you can get it in EV or you could get it in ICE. Did I read that right or hear that right? They're starting to transition 100% to electric. BMW is probably one of the brands that I would keep my eye on. I know that Audi has already pretty much transitioned. There's very few gasoline vehicles left. And I own the last of the TTRSs. I had to buy one because I know they're going to be gone. And I've always been a little TT fan. They're alum. They're cute. Little cars are fun. 
But BMW, I talked to one of the CEOs, one of the lead people, we'll just leave it at that. And he told me that they are well aware that the German government is pushing very hard for electric vehicles. But now the new administration that's there is starting to realize this impacts their country in a very bad way from the economic standpoint, because 60% of their jobs go to the auto industry. So if you need less people, less people are employed and there's no place for them to work. And that means they have less money to spend. And it just keeps building because remember, they drive a lot of diesel vehicles there. And so you will look today at the numbers that that was uh, when I talked in April. If you look at the sales in Germany today, you will see an increase in diesel vehicles. And they are running on clean diesel, running urea or AdBlue, whatever you want to call it in the, in the pipes. But they're also coming up with cleaner versions and they're doing hybrid diesels, which are really cool. So much like if you think of like a Prius, instead of it being a gasoline powered engine, it's a diesel powered engine. And that is less expensive in Germany than it is to use uh, petrol or gasoline. So interesting. To your article, here's the best news of the year. Used car prices are down. What's going on there? Oh, this is really good news. Finally. So we've all seen used car prices just through the roof and out of control. And I think one of the things that people didn't realize, you know, when COVID hit, they thought, oh, no one's going to buy cars. No one's going to go to the dealer. But then people, I had phone calls from all over the place. People lived in New York and Chicago saying, I need a car. I need one now. I live downtown. There was a panic. So people started buying cars. And there wasn't enough new cars because it was shut down. So then they kind of messed themselves up with this chip shortage, which we're finally slowly crawling out of. But the used car market is where people started looking because the cost of an average new car went from 34000 to almost 50000 so now people are like, oh, that's a lot of money. They're looking at used cars. So the used car market got absorbed, but because cars weren't being sold, they weren't being replenished. And I knew this would happen and I called it out. I said that in 2020, three years from now, being 2023 we are today, there's going to be a shortage of used cars because there weren't that many cars to lease. And most people lease for three years. So then the lease gets traded in and they buy something else. So during that time, people either purchased off the lease or didn't trade in. So what's happening now is finally it's starting to balance out. Production of new cars is starting to come into dealers, which is good if you want something new, whatever that may be. And that means the used car market's starting to fill up again, which is softening the prices. They're a little inflated. They're about 5% inflated. But overall, this is the best news we've had for the used car market in a long time. So if you're thinking about a used vehicle, maybe a couple of years old, let someone else take the depreciation, whether it be a work truck for delivering whatever it is you deliver or just a regular car SUV, you're now in a really nice, sweet spot to get some good product. A better, better place. Are they going to continue to come down? This all depends on the UAW. So this is the problem. So right now, the UAW has said that as of September 13th, so mark your calendars, this is not good. I'm actually going to be in Detroit for that day for the Detroit Auto Show for Media Days. And I will tell you, I'm concerned because if the UAW and their new leadership decides they want to strike... They're going from, they're asking for some pretty crazy numbers. So right now, a UAW worker makes between 60 and $70 an hour. They get benefits and they gave up a lot of those benefits and a lot of that increase in pay during COVID. Well, now Sean Fain, who is the new guy in charge of the UAW says, we want, you ready for this? $150 an hour. That's like $320,000 a year. I'll take the job. I'll take one of those. I'll go wrench on a car if you got to pay me that. But the reality of it all is that when Stellantis made them a counteroffer single, because they're the target right now, they said, this is not going to work. This can't afford to more than double what we're paying you because then we're going to have to increase the cost of the car. Everything's gone up, right? Benefits, retirement accounts, everything's gotten more expensive for everybody. Electricity, 
food, coffee, everything. There's nothing that hasn't gone that's gone down in price. If you can list something, I, I'm game to hear what it might be. But so far, nothing's really gone down in price. So Sean Fain took the contract and dropped it in the trash on a YouTube live, which was really dumb because now they're calling for a strike. So the UAW has put out a vote last week that 96% of the UAW workers, sure, who doesn't want 150 bucks an hour? Everybody does. Now, back to reality, that's not going to be the final number. We all know that. But they're threatening a strike, not just here, but I think it's called Canafor, which is the UAW of Canada. That's also a problem because if they strike, that means we're going to have a car shortage again, which is going to increase used cars. So if you're thinking about a used car, I would say your windows ends at September 13th because if the strike goes on, it could be short, could be long, but that means very few vehicles will be produced. I know right now they're training white collar workers to do blue collar jobs because they got to get something out the door and they'll, they'll hire people, hire scabs. I'm well aware of that, but still getting product out the door is going to be a challenge, especially if you ordered something. I think that the used car window is short right now. If they come to an agreement and everybody's happy and everyone goes to whatever they're going to do, I think you're going to be in a much better position to getting a used car at a good deal. And I could go on discussing this with you for a long time about why he fired up the base like he did. But at the same time, this automotive industry is so critical and important to our economy, no different than Germany's. And we would not have the kind of leadership in our country that would probably want to just say, listen, sit down. We're not leaving for two days until we can hammer on agreement. Our entire economy, livelihoods, income, costs, expenses drive on what you guys do. Let's fix this. But it's not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen. 60% of the Dow Jones, 60% is impacted by the auto industry. Now, people don't realize that, but think about all the parts you use, the software, the car companies, the tires, everything. So you think about that impact is huge. If they go on strike, you think we're having a recession right now? I have a degree in economics as well. I've got a lot of strange background, but my economics degree 101, this is a recession. This is inflation and we are in it. And those of us that live this every day know it. The government can say whatever they want to say, but they are not helping the UAW. They are not helping you and I. And as things get more and more expensive, it is not going to help. And if we go on strike, we got some serious problems. We have a lot of people going to be striking. And that's terrible because they're not working, which means they're not spending money because they don't have money to spend. This is a problem. Yes, they'll get checks, but there won't be the full amount. This is a concern. Yeah, the trickle up or down theory with the tier one suppliers and then their suppliers and then on and on. It's a cascading issue. And let's hope somebody comes to their senses and we get by this. Oh, my God. Thanks for the inspiration yet. Maybe it's not Perfectly beautiful, sunny news, but that was good to have. Buy a used car now if you want one. That's my best advice. It's great advice. Thank you for that. Final article, why the EPA's automobile emissions guidelines won't work. Hmm, you've got an opinion on this, yes? Well, it's not just me. I mean, it's amazing. Amazing. I'm so excited that I am starting to see lawmakers wake up to saying, eh, this isn't going to work. Consumers waking up to, this isn't going to work. I am blown away. Not that I, how long have I been saying this? Carl, I mean, we've been having this conversation for, I have been saying this since the EV1 came out. And I'll tell you, I'm older. But I will, I'm, hey, listen, experience is something you can't buy. I knew that it works for some people. It does not work for everyone. And my big concern is that consumers buy something and they're sorry. So 
We'll just say I know a lot of people that have purchased Teslas over the years. They were very disappointed. I have one friend who calls himself a recovering electric car enthusiast because it doesn't work. And when you mandate anything, I don't care. It doesn't have to be electric cars. You mandate fill in the blank, whatever it is. You can't mandate this. This is America. This is not North Korea. People don't comply. People want what works for them. They want what they want to pay for. Buying something that they don't want or forcing them to go to a form of transportation that doesn't work. The infrastructure is not there. The electric companies, utility companies have told them that. They don't want to hear it. You've got Gretchen Whitmer, who's not a genius. And I'm being really kind in saying that. You can fill in the blank of whatever word you would like to use. Just understand automotive. She was the governor of a state that lives on automotive, but she doesn't get it. So those of us that know what's going on, especially in this industry, realize that this is not the truth. Not many people want to speak up and say it. I'm going to say it. And the reason is, no, I'm not getting paid by big oil. No, I'm not getting paid by a car company. Well, that's for sure, because they want me to, to drink the Kool-Aid. I refuse to. I've always been one as an independent analyst to tell the truth. I'm on a radio show on Odyssey Networks as well as GCN Networks every week. And they always laugh at me. They call me the Nostradamus of the auto industry because I'm telling you, this will not happen. You can say whatever you want. Car companies have to follow a law, but don't worry. They have contingency plans and you should as well. So if you own an electric car and you love it, great. If you have a problem with it, if it's a Tesla, you're going to have to send it someplace to get it fixed and drive with an Uber card, which again, this is silliness. Silliness. It doesn't work for everyone. We're working in the independent aftermarket to really step up and help service Teslas. And they're getting a little bit more open on helping the independents cover their backs. One of the things that I think about when it comes to the, the whole EPA mandates and the whole EV thing, the word slower comes to my mind. Even 2035, and there's some predictions out to 2050, maybe 2050 is a nice number to have so that we can slowly get where we need to go. So the alternatives start coming in and that there's more intelligence on the kind of EPA emissions. But to all of a sudden say when there's only 18% in California EV cars and that by 2030, they want to say you can't sell an ICE engine in California. It's a 7.5 on the rickshaw. It's too big. It's huge. It would cause damage, economic damage. So, yeah. Absolutely. You are 100% correct. And think about this. That's only California. The entire country, you take the whole United States, 6% of the cars on the road, 6% are electric. But you wouldn't know that if you listen to any mainstream news outlet, they're saying everybody's buying them that true. Just look at the roads. Look what, whatever highway you drive on every day, whatever road you drive on every day, just be aware of the cars that pass. And you'll start seeing a lot of hybrids lately. And that's something becoming very popular. And I do like the new Prius and I do like some of the new hybrid technology. And I think it's a great solution for many people who just, who are all about fuel economy. But to me, not a chance. I mean, I have a friend who just bought an electric Ferrari. I'm like, no way. No way. <laughs> sure, it's fast. Can you imagine putting e-fuel in the Prius? Wouldn't that be cool? You could do that. That could actually be kind of cool. Because then you'd be super green. I'd be zero emissions. Yeah. But they don't want to hear that because there's no money in it. So unless someone like John Kerry or Elon Musk invest in it, it's going to be private companies investing in it. It's going to hit the marketplace. It's going to be a slow growth, much like you said about microchips, much like cell phones. There'll always be one leader in it. It probably won't be Porsche. Probably going to be a big company like Exxon here in the U.S. You'll see a Ramco around Europe and, and China. But hey, China is very much looking into this because this could be an answer for them too. Yeah, sure. could be. I was enlightened. Thank you for being here and giving us 
your take and wisdom on so many great topics as you are so ingrained and immersed into the car industry. The yeah, deep dive, the car coach reports, please go to the YouTube channel. You want to see a test drive on probably one of your, yeah, one of your favoritest vehicles. You've probably test drived it. I have. I've driven a lot of cool vehicles. I have a Mercedes Benz G-Wagon AMG in my driveway and my kind of vehicle. I understand people like it. I just turned in a BMW XM, which is a hybrid, and I just purchased a Bronco Raptor R because I want power. I want gasoline. I want to melt dinosaurs. <laughs> uh, I've never heard that. That is great. Oh, you're kidding. That's one of my favorite lines. Melt dinosaurs. I love it. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.